uh, Isaiah 15 verse 4, we should know this scripture by now. <laughs> the Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. So important. Unless God gives us ears to hear, it's really hard to hear him. If you hear, but you're not really hearing. You're, you see, but you're not perceiving. Tonight, I want to continue with the message started uh, a couple of weeks ago. Changing your world. Is it possible to change your world? How did people in the Old Testament deal with situations like this? Can you change your future? Can you change anything about your future? Many times we just think, well, it's up to the Lord. Uh, what will be, will be. It's just let God take control. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us in Daniel chapter 9 that Daniel found through books. He understood through books. Daniel chapter 9 verse 2, he understood through books from the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet that God had made a promise that they were only to be in Babylon for 70 years. And after 70 years, God will bring them back. Seventy years had gone by and Daniel found that in the scriptures and he said, I set my heart to seek God. And he said, God, this is what you said. It's 70 years now. It's time for you to change our future. We can no longer be in Babylon. Not according to your word. But somebody has to pray down. Somebody has to find that scripture and call upon God and remind him of his promises and insist that God must keep his word and then God will do it. That's what uh, Abraham did in, in uh, Genesis 18. He says, far be it from you. Will not the God of the, the judge of the whole world do right? He was interceding. So we have to always pray to God. I wonder if God actually went to Abraham that day to see what he'll do concerning what he was about to do. See, God says he'll never do anything on the earth without telling his servants, the prophets. Do we still have God's servants here today? Yes, you are God's servants. But when God is bringing these things to you, he's wanting you to do something about it as opposed to him doing something about it he is already determined, but you can turn the hands of God to what he really wants. You can avert the judgment through your prayer, calling out to him. That's why he told us in, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, this is how you must pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, pray this way, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. So even though it's heaven's will to get certain things done on the earth, if you are not praying, if I'm not calling on God, for God's will to be done, we will be reaping what Satan has planned. 
not what heaven has planned. You experience here on earth what heaven didn't plan for you because you didn't call for it. So we must pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because if we don't do that, then the will of God, the will of heaven, is not done here on the earth. Because I didn't pray, you didn't pray, we didn't call upon God. So Daniel found from the scriptures what God has promised. That's why we have the Bible. We have to find out what the Bible says about what's going on in my life. If what's going on in my life doesn't line up with scriptures, then I have the right to call on God for heaven's will. Hello, this is heaven's will. Heaven's will to be done on earth. And God will do it. And until I cry out, it's never done. But Jesus encouraged us all through scriptures. If we pray according to the will of God, John tells us, God already answered. If we pray according to the will of God, what's the will of God? That's the will of heaven. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we cry out for the will of God to be done in our lives, I've discovered from the word of God that what I'm experiencing in my life is not lining up with God's word. I will have to seek him. I start calling on God. It doesn't make sense, God. Look at what your word says. How come the word says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but look, I can't pay my bills. That's not right. So I begin to say, God, based on this, I can pay my bills. Let heaven's will be done, because the heaven's will says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then I begin to find out from the scriptures, everything that God says, that bears on that particular thing. If it's given, I'll give according to God's word. Because it says, give and it shall be given to you. Everything that I can find in the scripture to bring heaven's will down, then those things I begin to do. Just to demonstrate to God, I mean business. Amen? I mean business. That's why the scripture tells us that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence. And the violent ones take it by force. In other words, you're not going to allow what's happening to you that is contrary to God's will continue to be there in your life. You're going to say, no God, look at what your word says. The violent ones take it by force. But we don't just fight. The warfare is not a physical warfare. The warfare is a spiritual warfare. And so we must go according to the word of God. The Bible says, the words that I speak, they are spirits. That's a living thing. A spirit is a living being. The words of God, the words of God, they are spirit and they are life. In other words, if there's something that's dying in my life, I can speak the word of God. I can pray the word of God against that thing and for that thing to come alive inject God's life into that because the word is life. And God will begin to bring transformation. But this patience is needed. The Bible tells us in James, we need to have patience as well. Because sometimes it takes time. But the Bible also encourages us, don't ever give up. Don't ever let go. Don't be weary in well-doing. Amen? 
weary and well-doing doesn't mean going out and just giving st- uh, doing stuff that's good. Well-doing can mean praying. That's well-doing. Well-doing can mean fasting, reading the Word of God and declaring, God, this is what you want. That's well-doing before heaven. But don't get weary because there is a little bit of delay. Stay with it. You will reap if you don't give up. So we need to understand that. These are things that God is giving to us. You know, prayer is so powerful. But prayer is powerless without faith. There is no power in prayer without faith. And you can't have faith without understanding and the knowledge of the word of God. These things are tied together. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, faith comes by understanding the word of God. Because people who are blind or deaf, if they understand what God said, maybe through somebody doing sign language, they can receive from God. It's just the understanding in the spirit. So prayer is very powerful. God expects us to pray things down. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and will pray and turn from their wicked way, God says, I'll hear from heaven and he'll heal the land. Well, God's not talking about the earth, the dirt. No, he's talking about healing lives of people. Changing situations, making terrible situations in life pleasant for them. That's what he's talking about. I'll heal the land. You know, I'll heal the economy. I'll heal your home. I'll heal your marriage. I'll heal everything that's dying or dead. God will bring life to it. But we have to pray in faith and believe that God will do these things for us. So we have a lot of power that's there in our prayers. And last time I I ended up reading Ephesians chapter 1, beginning from verse 17 through 23. There's certain things that we need to know. Paul was trying to help us to understand things about who we are in Christ and what power is available to us, how we can actually change situations in our life, possibly change situations in our city, change situations in our country. We can pull down presidents. We can take them down. I don't have to go to Washington or go vote. I just go on my knees and pray. And that's happened. My wife and I, years ago, we were thinking about some president that, you know, everyone was saying he's the only president, but he was very oppressive and extremely wicked. And the Christians started praying and fasting through the night. They stayed, night vigils, they were praying. And their prayer was simple. God, let his heart be changed or kill him. I'm not, I'm not, this is true. Uh, this is not a joke. The Christians were fasting and praying. Were they perfect? No, but they were saints of God. They spent, they call it all night prayer. And that all over the country, because everyone was afraid to speak. A guy comes out and says, I want to run against the president. He gets threatened by phone. And the next day he says, I've decided this guy that is on top, he is the best thing that's ever happened. I'm not going to run anymore. I'm supporting him. 
he was the only guy that was running. And everybody was scared of him. Nobody could move. But the Christians, they know if they spoke out in public, uh, you know what's going to happen to you. Uh, but, but so they decided, if we can kill him in public, public uh, we'll have all night prayer meeting killing him. Not killing. And they had prayer meetings saying, God, change his heart or kill him. Guess what? He died. He died. This is true. He died. And the next president actually spoke to the world and said to the world, his death was divine intervention. I read it. His death was divine intervention. And he himself, he made quickly, you guys can vote. I'm not staying here long. Don't pray for me to be killed. Okay. I'm turning over everything. This happened just a few years back. This happened. We have powers that we don't know anything about. If people's prayers can change a nation and change the system of a nation, what about your prayer, your own personal life? God can change it if you actually mean business and you decide, I'm going to seek God. The power is available to us and God can transform our lives. You hear people say it all the time. Prayer, prayer has power. Prayer is powerful. Why? Because of God. He can change things. But God says, there's a gap there. I need a man to stand in the gap and pray so that these things won't happen. And so when we pray, things happen. If as a church, the whole Ark Fellowship, all of us begin to have the same heart and we're crying to God, God, do this for us. Guess what? Things will begin to change like crazy. That's my prayer, that God will help us, myself, everyone, for us to be unified. And if we pray in unity, God will do incredible things for, the, for us. And so, so what the enemy wants to do is divide us. I want to do this, the other person wants to do something else. And get us mad at each other. You know? <laughs> That's what's happening. He wants to divide. Instead of us coming together, he knows if we come together... If two shall agree concerning anything, that they shall ask from the Father on the earth. On the earth. If two shall agree on the earth. As long as we are standing here and two of us are in agreement that this is what we want the Father to do for us. And we refuse to come out of that agreement. Jesus said, it will be done by my Father in heaven. It will be done by my Father in heaven. If two people can just agree. So there's a lot of power in prayer. Things change in pr- through prayer. Your emotions can change in one hour's time before God. Just one hour. You can be sad and depressed. Feeling depressed. And spend some time. And God will give you just maybe just a little word. That is deposited in your spirit. And that word will carry you through that trial. It's always there. I got, by the grace of God, I experienced it. When I came to the United States, um, 1989, to work on my PhD in Texas, here and I was told, no job for you ever. Well, the way it was, no job for me on campus. I'm, I'm not able to work outside campus. By law, I can only work on in the university there. If they don't give me a job, that's it. 
I mean, they were insistent. You are not getting any job. He told me to tell you, forget it, young man. You'll never get a job here. And so, well, I only have enough money to carry me for one semester. And after that, that's it. I went and spent some time crying. I remember I had a, a yellow a, a notebook, yellow. And I prayed, I cried to God. I said, if you don't help me, my life's over. I don't even have enough money to get a ticket and go back to Nigeria, so I'll become an illegal. <laughs> and they don't like them here, you know. <laughs> they don't like them here. So I was pleading with God, and he just gave me a few words, which I wrote in that notepad. I'm still here today, amen? I got a job the next semester and kept it till I graduated. Just because of a word. I had no fear. After that, prayer time, cry, I mean, I literally cried before God. After that time, I just had peace. I wrote what I felt like he has told me. Nothing has happened. But I was a happy man again. Went on campus, went to the next semester, the same individual who was telling me no job. He was saying, I could swear I gave you a job when you came in. I said, no, sir. But I didn't want to tell him that he had sworn that he's not going to give me a job. So you remember. <laughs> but he gave me a job. Amen? Amen. God is faithful. Amen. Let me read this scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. Beginning from verse 17. That the God of our... This is Paul praying for us. You and I. He prayed for us. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. And you are called to glory. You have been called to glory. Can I hear an amen? God has called you to glory. The Bible tells us that. The father of glory. God is the father of glory. And so, if God's your father, who are you? Well, I said God is the father of glory, right? If God's your father, who are you? Well, he says God's the father of glory. So you are glory, right? <laughs> God is the father of glory. And we are his sons. And he glorified his son, Jesus Christ. And glory, Jesus said, the glory that I have, put that same glory on them. Can you believe that? You carry his glory. You carry his glory. It says, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom. So, wisdom is a spirit. Wisdom is a spirit. Knowledge is also a spirit. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So when you receive revelation, that's coming from the Holy Spirit. And what does, he need, what does he want you to do with this spirit of wisdom and revelation? He wants you to know. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know. So knowing is the key. But knowing is not like the knowing of the world. This is a spiritual knowing. He's from the heart. God deposits it there in your heart through revelation. It's the spirit of wisdom 
the wisdom is not the wisdom of this world. This is the wisdom that's coming from heaven. It's an understanding that no one has. Paul said that was which was hidden. God is made known to us. God hid these things. But today, God is wanting to reveal that to us. But we need that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him so that we'll know. So the key thing, there are some things that we must know with regards to the power of prayer that you are taking the place of Jesus in prayer to change your future and to change the world through the message and through prayer. Remember what the disciples said? They said, we cannot serve tables. We will give ourselves to the ministry of the world and to prayer. They go together. You can change the world through the ministry of the word and through prayer. And so he says for, that God will give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So that we know. We know. The first thing that we need to know is to have that spirit of revelation. We need revelation of the word of God. So what that's saying, the knowing is important. Because when you know by revelation, then you will see the contrast as you look at your life and what the word says. They don't match, right? All of a sudden, your eyes get opened. And you say to yourself, no, that doesn't make sense. And you, you want to change the way you think and the way you, you talk. For, for example, there was this girl that was dying, uh, I read in a book. She was dying, they said, in the hill country or somewhere in California, young girl. She was sitting upstairs in a room dying. And she was reading, um, and the doctors had given up on her. There was no chance she'll live. It was over for her. Young girl. The mother was done. Everybody was preparing, just waiting for her to die. Just the time that they gave to her. They were not doing much for her anymore. And she just was waiting there to die. But the good thing is, is well, when she dies, she's free from the pain right here. And she's translated, no more pain in heaven, right? But really, we want to be around here for a while, okay? That's the truth, Amen. I don't want to go to heaven. I still got work to do. <laughs> but she was up there in a room, and then she started reading First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. She starts reading, and the scripture says how Jesus himself took uh, sins on his, on his own body on the tree, right? Remember that? And she saw that scripture, she read it, and tears, you know, flowed. And she was so pleased, she was so happy that Jesus had taken her, her sins and, and now uh, she's ready to go home and to be with Jesus. Tears, you know, flowed from her eyes. And, and uh, she just worshipped God as she laid there in her bed, you know, waiting to die. And then she was truly blessed, you know, in those days when we cry, that's real blessing, right? We get emotional, that's really good. It means the Lord has touched you. And she felt really blessed. 
And then after she cried and praised God for a while, thanking God for her sins forgiven, the fact that she knew where she was going, and if she stops breathing here, she'll be in the presence of Jesus. She couldn't wait to see his face and all of that. And she rejoiced. And then after a while, she came out of that. She says, I better go back to that same scripture where he talks about Jesus taking. And then she read the second part of it. And it says, by whose stripes you were healed. She says, why? Well, why? Well, he took my sins. That's clear. What about the second part? You know? She said, why? She said, why? I'm not going to die anymore. And she went downstairs. He said, Mama! Voice not as strong. Hey, can you make me some eggs? And bring my clothes up so I can wear them? Mama thought the sickness is gotten into her head. <laughs> She's really dying. And she was crying, oh, it's so bad now. My daughter, please go up. No, that's okay. She says, Mama, get, please get, make some eggs for me to eat. And give me something to wear. And she says, hey, daughter, please go up. This is really bad. We're praying for you. And she says, Mama, I'm not going to die anymore. Ah, now. <laughs> we know something. Is, this has gotten really bad now. So she said, Mama, didn't you all told, you told us? You told us this, that we should believe everything that God says. The doctor said something, but look at what God has said. Mama, give me my clothes. Make some eggs for me. I'm going to live. I'm not going to die. Mama was crying because she thought it was the end. But she lived because she got revelation. She wore her clothes, came down, got the eggs. I'm sure she had been thinking of bacon before then. You know. <laughs> and she ate and she lived. When you look at the word and it contradicts what's happening to you, well, that's not God's will. It's contrary to God's will. So I've got to tell heaven's will be done. But until you have that knowledge, you cannot pray in faith. You cannot even pray. And whenever you're telling God, you know in deep in your heart that this is not working. I'm not feeling nothing. I don't even believe what I'm praying. But when you know the truth and you have revelation and it's a spiritual revelation, you pray in faith. And you insist. No matter what's happening to me in the physical, that's what you see. We don't walk by sight or by feelings. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Not by feelings. And you can see that with confidence because you have been given the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And him is the word of God. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And when that word that you have been reading, and many of us know you've read this scripture so many times, you go back and open and you wonder, why didn't I see this before? How many of that's happened to you before? What's happened to me? And I wonder, if I've been reading the same scripture. Because God opens your eyes again. And if it has something to do with the way that what's happening to you, there's a rebellion in your heart that fights. This is no, something is not right. And then you can pray to God, calling him on that. That's what happened to Daniel. They were still willing to stay in captivity. And then he found that and said, God, no way. 
We're not staying in captivity anymore. This is what your word says. And God fulfilled those words. You know, I'm very... I see in scriptures, and especially in the life of Jesus, how he did things. I believe he knew those scriptures. He knew them very well. And he would sometimes deliberately do things just to fulfill the scriptures. And you don't remember after he rose from the dead, and those two disciples from Emmaus, how he started showing them things from Genesis? Why? He knew when it happened. They didn't realize that he was fulfilling scriptures. He had to remind them what had happened to him and the things he had done all the way from Genesis. And as they listened to him, yeah, that happened. Yeah, that happened. Oh, yes, we saw you do that. Oh, yes, we saw you. You know, remember when he went in and he threw everybody out from the, uh, the temple and they said, it's as it was written, they knew it because he showed it to them. It happened. They witnessed the word of God happening right before them. Jesus was deliberate fulfilling the work of God. That's what he did in Nazareth. I said that last week, uh, the other week. That's what he did in Nazareth when he went into the, the synagogue and immediately they gave him the book to read and he turned immediately to Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And in those days, like I said before, they always have a seat for, the, for Messiah to sit on. And they'll do their stuff, but nobody ever sits on that seat. Every synagogue, there will be one seat there for the Messiah when he comes. But on this very day, in Nazareth, Jesus was going to show them the Messiah is here. He read that scripture, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And then after he closed the scriptures... He gave them the book, went back to that seat, and sat down. And they got mad. That's Mary's son. He's Messiah. He's just telling us. He sat on that chair. Can you see that? But Jesus was clear. This scripture is fulfilled right before your eyes. And there are scriptures that have been written concerning you. Amen. By the grace of God, I'm going with you. <laughs> I find these things new, new. God, this thing is not happening to me. But I have to be patient. You got to show me. These days I'm, I'm into uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. And I'm in there. That's for me and for the church. And I'm beginning to see God's confirming it. I've shared with Pastor Roy a few of that. But we are entering into the Garden of Eden. We are entering into the Garden of Eden. And God has had some promises there. Very clear promises. I shared with the men. And I'm sticking with that promise. This whole year I will hold on to that promise. If nobody agrees, that's, that's, but this is what God has given me. I'll stay with it. God has promised to rebuild the world. I mean, I'm talking about this world. Everything that's broken, God's going to rebuild. This coming year, yes, God's going to build. God's going to rebuild it. And God says, I'm going to let the people cry out to me so that I do this for them. It's there in the scripture. And I know what he said. I will let them inquire of me to do this for them. I'm going to hold on to that word and begin to call on him. And I believe I will sit back and watch him do his word. Amen? Because he is faithful. It has nothing to do with me. He's God himself 
fulfilling what he said. But I need to know what he has said by revelation. I need to know. And then I need to hold on to it. I need to hold on to to it. In Acts, I believe, Acts chapter 4, the disciples started praying and they pulled out the scripture from the Old Testament. Why do the heathen rage? You remember that scripture? They pulled it out and they were telling God, this thing is fulfilled. Your scripture has already said this. Now we want you to give us that power you promised. And you know, God got so excited, he shook the building. He says the place was shaking where they were praying. He shook the building and filled them again with the Holy Spirit. And the gospel spread all over the place. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have to learn to trust him. That's all of us together. We are all in this together. Amen. Me and you together in this. If we agree, this is what the word says. God help us. Because we need a savior. Every one of us. And he has given us a savior. Jesus is the birth of salvation. When Jesus was born, salvation was born. Freedom was born. And so I can stay with Jesus. Not relying on myself, but on salvation. Amen. Stand up with me tonight. We're going to be say, talking about certain things. First, I want to let you, we'll be talking about the fact that God has called you. Every one of you here, he called. Every one of you here, he made his saint. His ambassador on the earth. We take his place. And what we can believe of him, he is the head, we are his body. When he said to stand before me, you know, all of these things will come. But he says, after you've done this, I want you to stand. To be able to stand before me. Not in heaven here. To stand here in, the pl- in his place with authority. I've given you the authority to do these things. And uh, we have to trust him and begin to believe him. Amen. Is there something in your life tonight that you are looking for God to change? It doesn't line up with the word of God. And you say, God, I trust you. Now, if you're still afraid of that thing, you're not trusting God. If you think about it and think there is no way out, then you, we, we are going to be trapped. That's the, the way the enemy does that. But I have to find a place where not confidence in myself, but confidence that God is faithful to his word. And that he is willing and he's going to do this for me. That's where we humble ourselves before him so that he can lift us up. Amen. That's what we need to do. That's what I need to do. So whatever it is tonight, whatever the problem is tonight, would you humble yourself before God telling him, God, you know, I can't do this on my own. But I know with you, you can carry me. And you can truly carry me. And I will be okay. And I'm going to rest tonight. Just trusting you. Because he said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. That's what I need to do. God, I'm going to yoke with you tonight so that you can help me. 
You know, when you yoke, that means if he moves, you have to move. Amen? He carry you. That's what we need to do. Let's lift our hands up to him tonight and thank him for his goodness. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the revelation of your word. Lord, we pray for greater wisdom and understanding, revelation, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, God, that we will know the hope of our calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in us as your saints. You made us saints of God. We want to know the exceeding greatness of your power, the resurrection power that's alive that's living in us right now lord your word says you ever live to make intercession you're still praying today lord pray through us and change the world through us change our world through us change our world in us thank you lord god thank you lord god for your great mercy. Lord, I pray for everyone tonight, tonight, Lord, that is dealing with a situation that is tending towards hopelessness. Lord, there cannot be hopelessness in Christ. That's not a word for the believer because there's nothing that is impossible with you. So God, we call upon you today that you will infuse hope into that situation right now by the power of the name of Jesus. Nothing can be hopeless. Nothing can be hopeless. Thank you, Lord God. I speak hope into that situation right now. I command the fear in Jesus' name to leave the, heart, the hearts of the people of God. Lord, let boldness and faith arise in the name of Jesus in the, in the hearts of your people tonight. Fill our hearts with joy, O oh God. Lord, help us to forgive where, where we need to forgive those that have offended us. God, we, we cry out to you. We cannot do this thing called forgiveness without your help, Holy Spirit. That could be a serious hindrance to what you are about to do in our lives. We let go tonight. In the name of Jesus, everyone who's offended us, we let go so that your hand can reach out to us. Spirit of the living God, thank you. Spirit of Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you today. Thank you for coming to live in us. Thank you for coming to reveal our Savior to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to reveal the Father to us. Thank you, Spirit of the living God, for coming to reveal the word of God to us. The eternal word of God. The word of life. The word that gives light. Thank you, Father, tonight. Go with us, God. Let there be light all over our lives. Every part of our lives. Home, our finances, everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. Please.